Hello and welcome. My name's Hilary McNevin from Turnip Media, and on behalf of Turnip Media and Worksmith, I'd like to welcome you. My guest this time around is a wonderful, wonderful woman who is making changes all over the place, I think. Emma Coates, Managing Director of Rocket Cedar. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Hilary. Well, thank you for being here. And please, tell. let's start at the very beginning. What's Rocket Cedar? Rocket Cedar is an accelerator program, essentially. We run yep. accelerator programs um, for early stage startups in the food and ag sector. Um, and not just startups starting afresh, but also existing businesses yep. uh, trying to do something different, a little bit more innovative than what they've done before. Okay. So, so what... When you say startups in the food sector, what does that look like? What 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 might that be? So we cover the whole food value chain, if you like. So okay. right from the um, the farm right through to the consumer. So mm. it can actually be anything. So a lot of the startups that we support, a lot of the businesses, the founders, they're developing food and beverage products. Okay. Um, with a with a point of difference in terms of um, healthy products that's the main thing they're, okay. they're really passionate about producing um, products that offer uh, consumers I guess more choice or healthier food options right and just pushing the envelope a little bit putting the pressure on the the, the big boys and girls uh, in in Australia and, and the world really yeah uh, but it can also be you know people developing um, you know software platforms um, you know connecting different people within the supply chain, um, you know, the really, really um, interesting ones for me. Yeah. Uh, shouldn't have favourites, but... Uh, You're allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Organisations, startups like Gippsland Jersey. Ah, yes. Who, are, you know, they, they have um, uh, uh, dairy farmers, dairy farms that work for them, um, mm-hmm. suppliers, and um, that supply to them, I should say. And but so really, what they are as a brand, um, although they're now doing their own processing and value adding the milk yes. um, that are supplied to them. Um, Steve and, and Sally, um, the two co-founders of Gippsland Jersey, are really really passionate about what they do, but in particular about supporting farmer health yes. and mental health in particular. Yes. So that's not something that you would naturally think of with um, a. a start up in the food and ag sector um, mm. and that's really what their passion is in, and what drives them in doing what they do. So that's a really good example of the type of startup that we like to work with. Yes. Um, so it's through the whole supply chain um, but there's a real point of difference and a real passion within that drives them. Is that something that you look for in any one who joins your cohort, I'd like to talk about how you can become a member, you know, become a part of Rocket Cedar. Is it, yes, you've got a, it's a healthy and clever idea or a good idea, but do you, is the story behind the person one of the driving forces to make you decide to ask them to join? Absolutely. And I, I guess anyone can start a, a food or ag business, um, not so much ag, that's probably a little bit more challenging, mm. but a, a food or beverage business. But I think what keeps people going, what drives them is um, much more important. Uh, and it is it is to us, actually. It just, you know, makes um, the effort that we put in. Yes. And I say we, that's, you know, myself and our facilitators and coaches and board members who 
you know, do a lot of mentoring yeah. um, and also our really awesome mentor network. Um, so, yeah, we, we prefer to work with founders that are um, really driven by a, a um, passion, a particular purpose or sometimes more than one purpose. Yes. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so um, um, yeah, I mean, some people do want to. They are wanting to try and save the world, yeah. um, but through realizing that they can't do it all themselves, um, they choose something specific that they are going to do to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had um, Wallaby Water in our last cohort. Um, so they're wanting to, you know. I guess, get rid of all the plastic in the world, yeah. um, particularly um, water in plastic bottles. I found that I know a little bit about Wallaby Water and that's plastic bottles. And I remember it was Dominic, the guy behind mm. it, was so interesting. It was the most logical idea and I wondered why no one had thought of it before in that it's still water in recyclable cans, correct, instead of correct. a plastic bottle. Yeah, and local water too. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing worse for the environment than importing water really and I know we have our favourites in Australia from yep. particularly from Italy yeah. <laughs> um, but re- it's so environmentally unsustainable and it doesn't make sense mm. so you know packaging local water uh, in in bottles that aren't made from plastic in yes. this case aluminium which is sort of much more recyclable mm. than than plastic and is not plastic um, so obviously the ideal is that you we all get it out of our taps and we're pretty lucky in most parts of Australia that we can do that. Yes. However, um, you know, I think it's more um, practical um, in, in what, you know, Don's doing and in, in trying to, um, I guess, you know, provide a aluminium bottle with a particular uh, lid. Yes. So you can reuse that bottle that over other, and over yes. again. Yeah. And all by a can. If you're if you're out without a bottle, or by a can, yeah. But yeah. he was yeah. developing the aluminium bottle as well. So he came to you. How did he? How do you reach out? How does Rocket Cedar let people like Dom know yes. that you're there? So I guess social media. You know, obviously we have a newsletter, and um, it's just it, word of mouth, really. I think yeah. that's um, and Instagram's a, a really popular um, tool for us mm-hmm. in marketing tool. Um, but I guess we don't have sort of pr- regular programs, well, at least anymore. So it's dependent. We're a not-for-profit. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're quite dependent on, um, you know, funding programs, whether that's, you know, government or, or other. Uh, so and more and more we're sort of attracting interest from, uh, you know, corporates and or, or medium-sized type of, you know, family-owned businesses that yeah. align with our... I guess, values, um, which are around sort of sustainability. So really that's how people find out about us is is mainly social media and and word of mouth when we have programs. And, um, yeah, so we're hoping that we get to the right people at the right time because it is a a timing sort of issue. Yes, yeah, you have three to six-month-long programs, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I want to talk to you about sustainability, but if we could go go back a step and – how did Rocket Cedar come about and how did you get involved? Right, yes, good question, Hilary. <laughs> and um, I think it was sort of, um, you know, it was one of those things that was meant to be. Uh, Rocket Cedar started in 2017 with a, 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 a grant from the Victorian government from LaunchVic, which was really generous. And um, I came on board shortly after 
as an advisor. So I've been involved in all of the startups from um, our first cohort or our mm-hmm. first crop, as we call them sometimes. Yeah, and um, then, you know, moved on to the board and then, you know, moved into the position of, of managing director uh, shortly afterwards. And um, I'd already been exploring the startup space and, you know, because um, all the universities have startup programs and I've been to a couple, couple of universities in Victoria. So I actually did the um, Deakin University um, startup boot camp weekend. Oh, right. Yeah. So, Gosh, what happens at a startup boot camp weekend? Yeah. Well, really you just um, – uh, you can focus on a real – world problem. Mm. Um, well, really, they're all real world problems, but a real business. Mm. Uh, or you can just join with other people randomly, which I did. Yeah. And I had a lovely little team, a researcher from China, uh, and a young guy from Indonesia, I think. And anyway, it was quite fun. We spent the weekend ideating and, and learning about business model canvas and st- the startup methodology, um, wow. the lean methodology that we use that most um, hopefully all, uh, accelerators use. Um, the tools that we use are that, um, developed by Strategizer. Yes. Well, the business model canvas was, was developed by Strategizer. And, yeah, so we just spent the weekend down in Geelong yeah. and, um, yeah, came up with um, an idea and had to pitch it at the end of the weekend. And, yeah, so it was really um, interesting. So before Rocket Cedar, what were you doing? I actually started in the food and ag sector about 25 years ago, as I always say, when I was in primary school. <laughs> and um, I started, um, I, went, I, I did a commerce degree and I finished when I was 20. Uh, and all I wanted to do was work in, you know, international trade or something to do with international outside of Australia. With the, I had a global mindset, I guess, which yeah. is what I try and encourage with everyone I work with these days. And uh, so I worked in a bank and um, didn't really like that. And um, for a number of reasons, it just wasn't my thing. Um, I shortly after married a banker, but that's another story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's another podcast. Yeah, that's so. another podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's, yeah, that would be a long podcast. Yeah. And um, this is great. (laughs) Sorry, we've gone off the track, haven't we? It's all right. We can always get back on it. We are. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And uh, then, yeah. So, and then joined a um, a food export company, a trading company. Yeah. Yeah, which was awesome, and um, it was it's a lot of hard work. Shout out to Prestige Foods International and Mike Murray for giving me that opportunity. He's still working hard these days, um, unbelievable, and has, has grown the business substantially, albeit will, will be affected by COVID, mm. um, unfortunately, but he'll rise from the ashes yet again. And it uh, just taught me a lot about um, you know, the food industry, essentially, not only trade, so that's something that i you know, didn't expect is what, to... What did you learn? Oh, I learnt, learnt a lot, as you can imagine. I was exporting all sorts of things and oh. importing. So some. do you mean when you say you learnt about food, do you mean about the products themselves or just in terms of the food knowledge that you gained? Not just the products, but also the industries. Mm. So w- what I quickly discovered was that 
even though we're a customer-facing business mm-hmm. um, and you don't have a business unless you have customers. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're very important. Um, th- you, no, you don't have a business if you don't have good suppliers either. So very I true. quickly learned that suppliers are actually probably more important than your customers because you can find customers more easily than you can find good suppliers. Yep. And, you know, loyal suppliers, suppliers that, you know, have 100% focus on quality. And share your vision in a and way. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and obviously we're very lucky in Australia and particularly in Victoria yeah. uh, to have some wonderful food suppliers. And, um, and I was luckily, lucky to work with a lot of those oh. um, suppliers and, and get to know their products and, mm-hmm. and them as um, businesses. And that was, you know, as I said, 25 years ago when I started doing that. And, um, yeah, so I guess that's where my sort of food and agriculture um, journey started. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up doing a um, – I got a – Scholarship to do a e-commerce, a master of e-commerce at, at um, RMIT University. Well done. And so, which sort of morphed into well, my topic became um, about regional agribusiness clusters in Victoria, so clusters which are now very popular clusters. I didn't know there were those clusters everywhere. Oh, that was the name for them. Yes. Is that- Tell me what that is. Well, they actually come from the concept comes from the industrial districts in northern Italy originally, so really hundreds of years ago. And, um, you know, it's about, you know, people and organisations coming together in a particular, um, I guess, geographical, um, you know, region, Mm -hmm. if you like, and um, people from government, uh, you know, people from industry, obviously, that's the most in important part of a cluster and um, industry organisations and also education. Mm-hmm. So whether that's, um, you know, d- training, so in our case, you know, TAFE or higher education universities, um, even sort of local service providers and so forth, but, you know, all focused on the same industry in the mm-hmm. same region and working together very nicely. That's the <gasps> ideal. That's the ideal. And yes. how, is it hard? To achieve that, and I'm thinking of the human variable firstly. More than yeah. Oh, else. look, you know, um, the, I did my study just on Victorian agribusiness forums, mm. as as we referred to them back then, because um, I, you know, the the next bit to my career was working with the Victorian government, um, which is Ag- Agriculture Victoria now, and uh, we actually supported these forums. So right. you know, so one thing sort of led to the other, yep. and. Um, and then we supported them in terms of my regional colleagues were often sort of the executive officers and then we had some funding that we sort of um, provided for them to to um, run projects. But through with my study and in my work, uh, I quickly realised the amount of, um, I guess, um, hours and uh, that, you know, people in these regions um, were giving to the the forums and the the sector in the regions and um, all voluntary, you know, pretty much all voluntary and hours and hours and hours. And so it still um, occurs Mm. and it's just, you know, awesome. I was, you know, absolutely in awe of of what these people were giving to their, you know, communities and and the the industry 
in the community, in their communities, and they still do. And unfortunately, some of them aren't, um, you know, uh, are no longer in existence, uh, including the first one, which was in Wimmera, Wimmera 2020. Yeah. Um, because it's quite dependent on, you know, it, when it comes down to individuals um, and just keeping the momentum and finding the funding and, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. Uh, but one of the ones that's really successful is um, Gippsland Food and Fibre. And I've, they used to be agribusiness Gippsland. Yeah. And they've been around for, you know, 20 or so years. Oh, wow. yeah. yeah. And and they've sort of they merged with the East Gippsland uh, Food Cluster. So the whole of Gippsland, which is, as you would know, a very big region and um, to cover. And anyway, so they're, they're very successful, have an awesome board, um, you know, plenty of funding at the moment to keep them going. Yes. And, um, you know, have just created a real sort of, um, you know, they have a good momentum in the region and have made a huge difference. And I've been lucky to work with them recently with their Food and Fibre Challenge mm-hmm. um, through Federation University at the Morwell Innovation oh, wow. Centre. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So really, really good example of clusters. And there's lots of emerging clusters and clusters, organisations that don't know their clusters. And, um, you know, it's just a whole sort of um, journey, I guess, a it, learning Developing an, a culture, a, a culture around a particular region would you say yep. to yeah to grow food, yeah and wine and just have have a happy yeah. strong a happy life a happy strong community an edible future would you say an edible future <laughs> absolutely yeah and I'm sure that they would all you know really like that um, concept of of creating an edible future because what that's what they're doing and you know because it's about food security it's about Jobs, keeping mm. jobs in the region, keeping, um, you know, people, skilled people in the region, attracting skilled people to the region yes. and and really just, um, I guess, contributing through their sector um, and often the food and fibre sector, if you like, is very important part of the region. So, um, yes, it's just attracting um, and funding also and and just keeping that momentum going can we do do you touch on food security in your own work or have you done in the past Uh, i just think it's a very it's so important and i wonder about what what you think of food insecurity in victoria for starters in australia is it something you're yeah absolutely i I think um yeah particularly through working government um because i guess um my work it was, you know, sort of agribusiness. We were focused on, um, you know, export, but also my role in particular was around sort of um, research mm-hmm. and market research and, you know, connecting with governments and, um, you know, in other parts of Australia and other parts of the world and really just, you know, back to that glo- global mindset as yes. well. Um you know, understanding what the UN's doing, all those, you know, really, really interesting stuff. So obviously there's, you know, in my mind, there's, you know, sort of different levels of food security mm. in, in, in terms of a lens that you look through. Um, and there's that local, you know, that that's really at the end of the day, the most important, making sure that you know, people have food in their mouths, particularly children, because yes. we all don't like the thought of that. No. Um, so it's fantastic, all the food rescue organisations out there. I went to, you know, Fair Share 
uh, the other day mm-hmm. and, and had a tour through their kitchen and it's amazing what they do. They have 3,000 people on their, um, their, their standby list. Um, it's extraordinary how yeah. many people are hungry in our city. Well, no, well, this oh, is the people that wanting to, um, you know, off their time to, oh, you know. Oh, yeah, completely. Yes, t- yes. Let's turn that around. That's good yeah. news, people. But yeah. <laughs> 3,000 people waiting to help. Yes, waiting to help. You have volunteers that Sorry. they don't have, you know, positions for. Because, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, so that is good news. That's good news, but they yeah. also have an awful lot of people to feed. If Correct. I can, yeah. There's yeah. The, the good and the bad yes. of that sign. that's right. And Fair Share Specialised, they make meals, so... Um, they're a little bit different to other food rescue organisations because they rescue food and turn it all into meals, mm-hmm. and like even you know healthy um, sausage rolls and pasta quiches and all that sort of stuff. Um, but also, you know, pre-prepared type of meals. Can I ask why you were having a tour there? Is that too oh, nosy just, of me? No, 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 I'm no, just I was wondering just, if Rocket Seed is involved. No, well, we'd like that? to be sure. somehow. So, you know, we've got our thinking caps on. But um, no, I was just lucky enough to be invited. Oh, that's great. Um, by one of the board members. So that was um, a really, you know, nice experience for me. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so to getting back to food security, local food security, we're lucky. Yeah, we've got the Oz Harvest and, you know, there's what four major uh, food rescue organisations in Australia and then you have all the local ones and all mm-hmm. the lo- through the local councils and the wonderful people that do um, really important work there. But then there's this, you know, more strategic food security issues which, you know, become became more um, evident or highlighted uh, during COVID last year, particularly in Melbourne when we yeah. had the joy of um, living through not one but two lockdowns. Long, long lockdown. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, and then, you know, well, obviously toilet paper was much more important to people than food. Um, did that take you – did that surprise oh, you? It's just crazy. I was really – floored by that I just I didn't understand it yeah no not neither did I but anyway uh but food uh, uh, you know that was um you know uh lacking on shelves as well and but even just the mindset it's it's you know being thrown into a situation I do all my on shopping online yes and um the fact that I couldn't do that I'm like oh what do I do now how do I feed my family And I'm not. I don't have a very good green finger, so you know, um, I I um, wasn't going to grow my own food. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. Uh, so you know, yeah, you, it really makes you think about what would happen. You know, how how are we? You know, organised logistically uh, to feed people, and the, and the focus is is you know very much on local. Now and mm. that's really and also more understanding or more interest in where our food comes from and um, you know going out to sort of regional areas and exploring and meeting uh, food producers and quite often wine producers because that's important important as yeah, well exactly uh, and um, and and now sort of gin producers or yes, you know they're fabulous yes, as well yeah just the, the story and and you know I was just listening to a podcast with Will and Ed Brook from Brook Farm in yeah. um, Byron Bay and Ed is um, in the family of the developed a uh, you know a, I guess a distillery and um, it's just really interesting in so interesting the story behind that and where they get their ingredients from particularly the native ingredients and you know mm. them growing up in a forest and they source most of their 
um, native ingredients from local farmers, uh, but, you know, more and more are doing more to encourage, um, I guess, Indigenous people to produce those um, native products oh, wonderful. so they yep. can buy them directly from Indigenous people, which is so important because only 2% of people involved in the native food industry are actually Indigenous and that's just so wrong. Gosh, where's what is that figure from? Is that... Um, the, oh, it's just quite it's a just, well-known yeah, figure. That, yeah, know. Yeah, so Victoria has a new strategy around native foods and, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's just we need to do something about that because it just doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. Um, is that something Rocket Cedar can do as well in terms of getting... We're hoping to get involved. Yeah, yes. we're hoping to get involved. But it's, you know, not something that happens overnight, so of we appreciate not. that. But if we can be involved, of course, you know, that's what it's all about, creating this edible future that's um, sustainable and ethical and and makes sense and secure as well. Oh, secure. It's such Mm. a lovely word, really, Mm. in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, What does sustainability mean to you? Well, sustainability means, um, I guess, you know, when I started looking at sustainability in terms of the food and ag sector, it was around triple bottom line. Okay. And really it hasn't changed that much in mm-hmm. terms of social, environmental and economic sustainability mm-hmm. in terms of triple bottom line. Yeah. Um, That's so a good triple. That is a good triple, <laughs> yeah. And getting them all, you know, lined up is, is not, not easy for anyone. So any individual or any organisation or any country or region. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess... Um, you know, that's what it means to me. I haven't sort of changed from that as, mm-hmm. as getting all the ducks lined up, if you like. Uh, it, it has sort of the conversations moved slightly as generations have moved along yes. and, you know, in a really good way. Um, we, um, you know, try to align ourselves with UN Sustainable Development Goals. And what are they? So there are 17 global goals Oof. around, yeah, achieving, you know, sustainability, yeah. I guess. Um, and that's you know, most of all, yeah, all of the, um, you know, startups or participants in our programs, we align to whether they know it or not, we align them all to the uh, relevant sustainable development goals that we feel that they're achieving. Um, yeah. And some of them actually provoke, promote it themselves, but unfortunately they're not really well known in Australia so um, that's part of what we do in the background I guess mm-hmm. um, so you know the idea is that we globally achieve these goals or individually and globally mm-hmm. collectively achieve these goals by 2030 yes so it's really we don't have only got nine nine yeah. years eight and a half years yeah that's right so um Anyway, it's about, um, you know, their, their goals. So something yeah. to work towards and I like them because it's it's something that we can talk to. We can have a, a conversation with people on other sides of the world um, and relate it back to what we're doing. It's like an anchor for all of you, isn't it? Correct, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like um, on Saturday was um, the World Biodiversity Day. Yeah. And um, some lovely um, people were sort of, you know, controlling the UN biodiversity handle on Instagram, Instagram Live and all of that sort of stuff and, and doing a wonderful job. So 
we posted something on Rocket Cedar, just an Instagram story, and they reposted that. And I just oh, thought, well isn't that? And they did it really quickly. And along with all, I think they had 22 countries posting stuff, which they sort of um, reshared. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it was just really lovely to see the enthusiasm of, um, you know, particularly the young people in New York, where UN yeah. is, is headquartered. And uh, but but what so we had the sort of the same conversation going on around uh, the world, um, similar to I think Thursday was World B Day, obviously oh, really yes, important. Yes. Um, so just you know picking up on these things and sharing, and um, you know I think I'm hoping that it inspires people to you know think in the same way, think globally and locally. Yes. Um, so it's really that that action is locally local yeah. um, and it's what we do as individuals, as um, businesses, as communities where we live mm-hmm. um, but linking that to what is happening globally. Because everyone has a right thing. to good food, don't they? Correct. They do. They yes. do. Yeah, and I, and I think we've got a lot to learn from other people in other parts of the world. And Absolutely. Yeah. Tell me, if someone is listening who is interested in Rocket Cedar or thinks I've got this idea or I've got I'm halfway to a developing a product. What should they do? They should follow us on social media mm-hmm. and Instagram in particular. And they should sign up to our newsletter, which, which is on our the links on our website on the front page. And, yeah, just um, look out um, and, and listen for programs because we do have – some interesting programs coming up. Okay. Um, so we're hoping to run a national program focusing on food waste or oh, great. S- food waste solutions, if yes. you like, yeah. and um, which relate to food rescue organisations. Um, you know, we, we waste roughly half of our food. Um, a third mm. of that food is wasted before it leaves the farm gate. Yeah, wow. So there's a lot of opportunity on farm. Mm-hmm. Um, and upcycling food is becoming much more um, acceptable. Uh, there's a new organisation based in the US called Upcycle Food Association, uh, which will be partnering with um, with this program and will be supporting 15 startups or, again, you know, spin-offs, yes. um, if you like, of existing businesses, people trying to do innovative stuff. Um, and and solving food waste and loss problems. So, yeah, all along the the supply chain, but, you know, hoping to get some uh, on-farm, pre-farm gate solutions because the sooner we stop wasting the food in the supply chain, Mm -hmm. uh, the better. more food. Well, and also from an environmental perspective, Mm. um, the more that, well, we put into landfill um, is not good for the environment, but also the more the food moves along the supply chain and then ultimately gets thrown out um, and not used, wasted, you know, say in our homes, Mm -hmm. then it's done more damage to the environment. Um, So if we can... You know, the sooner we, you know, solve those um, problems, av- avoid those food from going to, to be wasted or lost in the supply chain, the better. Anyone so, out there listening to this, jump on, follow Rocket Cedar if you've got any ideas about the farm gate and food waste. Yes. Food waste solutions. Correct. Yes. Emma Coates, we're coming to the end of our chat, but I have one question for you. If you ran the world, if you were in charge of everything, what would you change first? 
Well, I guess at the moment because I'm so focused on supporting uh, startups and innovation in the, the food and ag sector is more funding and support for early stage businesses and, and um, not just ideas, a little bit more than just ideas, people that have really, um, you know, that have skin in the game, who are, you know, uh, bootstrapping and just, you know, putting all their effort and, and life into a new business mm-hmm. um, or, or solving a, a problem, uh, we, you know, I guess whatever we can do to support them um, and, and this does need particularly the more, I guess, uh, complicated that solution is uh, if you know, there's technology required to be developed, hardware, prototyping and that sort of thing does need funding. Yes. And not a huge amount of funding. Um, so, you know, we're finding that more sort of angel investors are getting a little bit more involved in this, which is really exciting. Uh, probably normally a little bit too early stage for most VCs. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, and obviously there's a role of government. In this, yes. so the government. So you're in charge of the world right now. So you're just saying to everyone, "Here, have money. Let's get you started. Let's yeah. give you what you need to get you going." That's right. And of course, they have to do an accelerator program with Rocket Seeder before they get that funding. Everyone. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's perfect. That's it. That's what they have to do. I like that. Yeah. It just means, yeah, people opportunities, and I think a lot of businesses and startups are prohibited. Well, just don't get up. Because of time and funding, would you say? That's the key, one of the keys. That's right. And look, sometimes it's just not the right thing for the founders. Um, it's not the right time. So, you know, that there is sometimes people come through our program and just think, well, no, I'm not, not passionate enough for this sector or to solve this problem. And, you know, I'd like to sort of leave that to someone else. Um, it's it's certainly not for everyone. Mm. Um you know, starting a business and not just any business, but, you know, you have to be super passionate yes. about it and have a lot of energy. And believe in it. Have, um, you know, yeah, su- supportive partners, family, <laughs> yes. everything. So, you know, don't want to put anyone off, but, no. you know, it does require a, a special type of person and I'm lucky enough to get to work with those people. So it's just um Well, thank you for supporting privilege. them. Yeah. And thank you for the work you do. Thanks, Hilary. um, On behalf of Turnip Media (laughs) and Worksmith, thank you for joining us. And Emma, stay well and keep that rocket ship going. (laughs) Thanks, Hilary. Thank you. And Worksmith. Thanks for listening to Edible Futures. If you enjoyed this and would like to find out more about what an edible future might look like, be sure to jump onto your favourite podcast platform and subscribe.